to do what Joel does and start a timer so I know how long I've talked. But don't hold me to it. <laughs> Very good. So um, it is a privilege to be able to speak to you this afternoon on something that I think is a topic that we all need. Um, I will warn you that I'm about to step on my toes, but I'm probably going to step on yours too, okay? So just know that um, I was always told you get more bees with honey than you do vinegar, right? So know my love for you and my love for God's word is where this comes from, okay? If you'll turn over to Matthew chapter 22, Matthew chapter 22 is going to be the text for our lesson this afternoon. Um, Don, you picked out some great songs, brother. I appreciate that. He, he was teasing me earlier. He said, I didn't ask you about what relationships meant. He said, are you going to get into the gender thing? And, and I'll, I'll solve that right now, Don. God made them male and female. That's it. So that, that's all for that, right? <laughs> um, but um, we're going to look at relationships. You know, everywhere we go, we're in some type of a relationship, aren't we? We're in a relationship with each other here. We're in relationships with our parents, relationships with brothers and sisters, uh, relationships with coworkers, with bosses, with people on the road. You can't drive to Chattanooga and not be in a relationship with those who are high, uh, sharing Highway 27 with you. Every morning on my way to work, I have some discussions and about my relationships with people. Most of the time, it's they're going too slow or they're going too fast and trying to run me over. But each one of those relationships, we can, we can apply in a positive way or in a negative way. I read a book by Dr. Gary Smalley. Is, the book is entitled The DNA of Relationships, and this is where this lesson comes from. Today's left lesson is life is all about relationships. That should go without saying, shouldn't it? Unless you live in a cave somewhere and are secluded all by yourself, you should understand that you're in a relationship with someone at some point in life. You have relationships at home with your spouse, with your children, with your parents, with your siblings, and as I mentioned before, with your boss and coworkers. And we have relationships with those we attend worship with. You can even have a relationship with those folks when you go to the food city or the Walmart to check out and they're having a bad day or maybe you're having a bad day and they're your cashier, and, and uh, that is if you're fortunate enough to have a cashier nowadays, right? And you have a relationship with that individual for that very brief amount of time to make an impact on that individual's life in a positive way or in a negative way. You know, you've heard Charlie and I both say that Christianity is a relationship religion. It's all about the relationships that we have with one another. We build those relationships hopefully in positive ways and not always in negative ways. And that's what I want us to concentrate on this afternoon is that we need to build our relationships in very positive ways. The fact is we are affected by relationships every day. And people are affected every day either positive 
positively or negatively by the relationship that we have with that individual. That's why I go back to saying you get more bees with honey than you do vinegar. My philosophy has always been to let people know how much you care before you let them know how much you know. And I hope I do that to the very best of my ability as a Christian, but also as an elder in the Lord's church. We have a responsibility to one another to love one another. To love one another enough to build those relationships. If you see someone hasn't been here in a long while, reach out to that individual. We don't know exactly why they may not be here. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. But if they've not been here and we don't reach out to them, how do you think that makes them feel? Doesn't make you feel very good when you're not missed, does it? Sometimes we have individuals in our congregation here that miss a number of times and no one reaches out. No one reaches out to them. And as I said, I'm stepping on my toes as well as yours. We all as Christians have the responsibility to reach out in positive ways to build those relationships with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Amen? We are created for relationships, thus the title, the DNA of relationships. Our DNA is the very building block of who we are. God has placed within each human being the need to be with other people and a need for relationships. After Adam was created in the Garden of Eden, God looked upon the greatest of his creation and said, It is not good for man to be alone. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18 God recognized that Adam needed a relationship. When those relationships are good or growing or nurturing, positive relationships, life's pretty good. It's enjoyable. It's fulfilling. But when our relationships go sour and they are strained, it affects us in many adverse ways, oftentimes in very negative ways. When there are problems at home or we're having difficulty with one of our coworkers, or we can't get along with our neighbor, we're at odds with our fellow Christians, then our lives begin to struggle. Rarely do we have a problem in life that is not connected in some way to a struggling relationship. Since God created us to need relationships, he has also provided us instruction in his word to help us make our relationships strong in the sight of God. And that brings us to our passage this afternoon. Matthew chapter 22, beginning in verse 37. Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Gary Smalley quotes Dr. Alan Shore of UCLA, a neuroscientist and developmental psychologist, is saying all humans are born to form attachments that our brains are physically wired to develop in tandem with another's 
through emotional communication. Even before words are spoken, our sense of right and wrong originates largely from our biological primed need to connect with others. In other words, relationships are tantamount to our spiritual, physical, and emotional growth. Would you agree? God is our creator, and he created us to need him. So the first relationship that we want to look at is our need for a relationship with God. We need a relationship with God. We need that relationship with God to be solid. We need to understand that as Charles did so wonderful this morning, talking about God's grace and our need as a Christian for God's grace in our lives. We need that. We need that relationship with God. Yet there's some people in the world who say, you know, me and God, we had a falling out, and, and I don't need him anymore, or I don't want to have a relationship with him anymore. You know, my church is going fishing, or my church is going to the track, or my church is going hiking and being with nature. We have individuals who do that. Oftentimes, because they've been in a religious organization or a church, sometimes even the Lord's church, where they don't have the relationship with their fellow brothers and sisters in Christ in a nurturing and loving way. The fact is, we need God whether or not we like it. We need God in our lives all of the time. And we need his grace all of the time. And we need his mercy all of the time. And we need his love and we need his kindness. In describing God, Paul said, In him we live and move and have our being, Acts chapter 17 and verse 27. Without God, we wouldn't exist. So if you want to exist, you need God. And our relationship with God should be one that we nurture, that we feed, and that we grow in our relationship with God. We as Christians are created in God's image and all men is created in God's image spiritually. We're spiritual beings and spiritual beings there is a direct connection or relationship between us and God. Now we may not have a personal intimate relationship with God. I hope all of us here this afternoon do. And granted, our relationship with God may be rather dysfunctional, but we all have relationship with God nonetheless, even if it's dysfunctional at, at times. Even if sometimes God just shakes his head at us and says, Brian, you know better. Whomever, you know better. We understand that sometimes we're very disappointing to God. Furthermore, we all have relationship with God. We're created in his image. And whether we realize it or not, our spirit or our soul yearns to be with God. If you ask people what it would take to make them happy, you'll get various answers, won't you? Some will say money. Some will say good looks. Some will say popularity. Some will say prestige. Some will say power. All of these things are things people think about 
when they think about happiness. I will tell you from experience and being an EMS for over 30 years, some of the houses that I went to are people that were in the deepest, darkest depression were the ones that had the fanciest houses and the expensive cars because money does not buy happiness. Our relationship with God is what can bring us happiness. Why is it that there are those who have these things and much more and can't find happiness no matter what? They still have a void, a need, or something more than what they have, more than what that car can give them, more than what that house can give them, more than what their relationship with individuals in negative ways can get them. They don't realize it, but that something more, that thing that they crave, that void that leaves them emptiness in their lives cannot be satisfied with anything this earth provides. It is a spiritual yearning that you can only find fulfillment in with a relationship with the Almighty God. Again, God said to Adam, it is not good for man to be alone. In the Garden of Eden, Adam had a special relationship with God. He gave Adam everything he needed, a perfect environment, all the food he wanted, purposeful work, dominion over all the animals, and yet God looked at Adam and said, he needs more. He needs a companion, and he gave him Eve. If folks are only coming to us to criticize us or correct us, and we don't have a relationship with them, it often goes in one ear and out the other, doesn't it? But if we do, as Matthew chapter 7 and verse 12 says, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, then we're getting somewhere, aren't we? Let people know how much you know before you let them know how much, uh, let them know how much you care before you let them know how much you know. Matthew chapter 7 verses, 30, verses 3 through 5 warns us of getting the plank out of our own eye before we get the speck out of our brother's eye. This companion can come in the form of a spouse, as was the case of Adam, or merely a friend or a brother or sister in Christ. The main thing is God has created within us an intimate need for relationships. Family, friends, fellow Christians, co-workers, neighbors, classmates, and so on, we all have relationships with those individuals. This doesn't mean that everyone's relationship is, is healthy necessarily or healthy all of the time because everyone in this room has had some difficult relationships in their life, including those with family members, those of husbands and wives, of parents, of children, of brothers and sisters, and also brothers and sisters in Christ. Oftentimes we need to realize that beating someone over the head with the Bible is not the best way to motivate someone to do right. That doesn't mean that we don't share the word in truth, but that in truth has to be in love as well. In his book, Gary Smalley quotes one young man saying about his girlfriend, sometimes I feel I can't live with her, and yet... I know I cannot live without her. Have you ever felt that way about God? Have you ever felt that way as 
Sometimes you feel like you can't live without him, and then sometimes you don't want to go by the things that he wants you to do. Or you may be like the husband who had been married for several years saying about his wife, when we were first married, I loved my wife so much I could eat her up, and now I wish I had. The bottom line is we are created with a need to have relationships with others, and without them, life would be rather miserable if you were all alone by yourself without those relationships. Maybe the story of Mamie Adams at the post office will help you understand the need for connection in relationships. She always bought her stamps at the same branch of the post office. One Christmas, the line was particularly long, so someone pointed out that she didn't have to wait in the line because there was a stamp machine in the lobby, and she said, I know, but the machine won't ask me about my arthritis. The issue for Mamie when buying stamps was not speed or efficiency. It was the personal contact and some evidence of minimal human interest in her and worried about her and her arthritis. People have a want and desire for you to care for them, for you to love them, and for you to show them in love. Check on folks when they're not here. Don't be so quick to jump on people and to think about other reasons they may be doing something wrong. There may be a good reason why an individual is not here. I remember working shift work, and I'll, I'll relate this to Gabe. He, he worked shift work, and, and he, I know he can relate to this. I used to work shift work, and every I would work 24 hours on and 48 hours off, and, and it was from now to eternity, Gabe, until I ended that job. 24 hours on and 48 hours off. And so every other Sunday, I would miss. I didn't like it, and I know you don't either, brother. But you know what? I make it a point to ask about Gabe because I know where he is, but I know where he wants to be. We need those relationships. We yearn for those relationships. We send text messages back and forth to many of the men because we desire their relationship and their love and their care for us, and we know that we're loved in return. We need healthy relationships with God, and we need healthy relationships with others. Jesus said, love thy neighbor as thyself, Matthew 22 and verse 39. Oftentimes we need to separate fact from fiction instead of jumping to conclusions, jumping on the social media bandwagon. I'm so disappointed sometimes in our brothers in Christ who get on social media and make the Lord's church a mockery, who get on social media, social media and argue about things that absolutely do not need to be in that environment. If you love your brother and you have a problem with your brother, go to your brother. Don't spread it for all the world to see and make the church look bad in the presence of all those unbelievers in the world. Love thy neighbor 
as thyself. That could be the reason we have difficult relationships because we don't love ourselves very much. Therefore, we don't love others very much. Certainly, we're not to be self-centered or narcissistic, but in order to have our relationship with God and with others to be healthy, we need to love ourselves. And if we love ourselves, we want to make sure that spiritually, physically, and emotionally, we are where we should be in God. That means we have to look at self. We have to do that mirror assessment, if you will. We have to look at ourselves and say, Brian, why did you do that? You could do that so much better. Why did you say that? You could say that so much better. Gary Smalley asked, do you have a healthy, dynamic relationship with yourself? Are you on good terms with yourself? Do you think of yourself as important? Do you like yourself? Do you accept yourself? Do you forgive yourself? Do you take care of yourself? And I have to confess to you that this is an area I really need to work on. Sometimes when I look in the mirror, I don't love myself. Not because I don't have hair. No, it doesn't have anything to do with that. Not because I'm not the most domineering, handsome uh, fella in the room, although my mom might disagree with you. But sometimes I don't like the decisions Brian makes. I need a good relationship with self. I'm not always good to myself physically, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually. And as I reread re this book for this lesson, it helps me to become more aware that I need to take better care of myself and so that I, in turn, can be making better care and relationships with my relationship with God stronger and my relationship with others stronger. All three of these relationships with God, with thy neighbor, and with thyself are interrelated. When Jesus reiterated that in the first and second greatest commandments are, he stressed that the love, the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love thy neighbor as thyself. First love God. Love yourself and love your neighbor. In other words, all of God's teaching is summed up in the relationship we have with our Heavenly Father, with others, and with ourselves. The reason these are the greatest commandments is because they make up our physical and spiritual DNA. This is who we are in God's greatest creation. Within these three relationships, we will find true happiness and fulfillment in life if we have a relationship with God first, neighbor second, and then ourselves. How we feel about ourselves will affect how we are in a relationship with others and how we are in a relationship with God. Again, if we don't like ourselves very much, we will have the difficulty believing that other people will like us and thus affect our relationship with others. If we have a hard time forgiving ourselves when we find difficulty accepting God's forgiveness, God is faithful and just to forgive us if we but repent. God's grace is there for us. 
It's much more than just his unmerited favor, as we saw this morning. It's seeing God's love, seeing God's kindness, and his grace to us. How we relate with other people may influence the way we see ourselves and affect our relationship with God. We may allow antagonism or derogatory remarks toward us to destroy our self-esteem. Unfortunately, I've seen so many times, even in the Lord's church, of people saying things that they probably shouldn't have said. They should have probably thought before they spoke. To love before we let others know how much we know. I've seen individuals leave the Lord's church because of remarks that were made to them. Remarks that shouldn't be. We may allow their ungodly actions to turn us away from God or even turn us away from the church. And how many times have you heard people say, I don't go to church because there are too many hypocrites there? Well, guess what? We're all sinners. We know we're sinners. And our job is to make ourselves better, and that's why we're here. If our relationship with God is not right, then all of our relationships will be off kilter. If our relationship with God is not right, my relationship with myself and my relationship with others cannot be right. The way we view God is often the way we view other people and even ourselves. If you view God merely as a God of wrath or a vengeful God who delights in punishing sinners, then you will have difficulty being a person of compassion, a person of understanding and forgiveness towards others. Furthermore, if you view God that way, you may feel unworthy to be in a relationship with God, with him, and resign to live with Satan since there's no way you can ever be good enough to go to heaven anyway. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Adam and Eve, as the first man and woman, learned the hard way how these three relationships are interrelated in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve were the last to be created, and after looking over all the created, God said it was very good. Adam and Eve were placed in a perfect environment, paradise. They had a perfect relationship with God who walked among them. They had a perfect relationship among themselves as husband and wife, uniting and becoming one flesh, and had everything at their disposal and they could, they could possibly ever need. God had given them unlimited access to every fruit tree in the garden except one. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God told them they could not eat of the tree for if they eat they would die. Then along comes Satan disguised as a serpent. And he deceives Eve telling her that eating the fruit should, she would become like God knowing good from evil. So Eve took the fruit and ate it and gave some to Adam and right there with her he also ate the forbidden fruit Genesis chapter 3 verses 1 through 7. 
This was one act of disobedience changed the dynamic of these three relationships. Our relationship with God, our relationship with ourselves, and our relationship with others. Instead of a loving, open relationship with God, Adam and Eve now have their fear relationship with God. They hid. Why did they hide? Because they were naked. And why did they know they were naked? God asked them, how do you know? Who told you? God already knew the answer. It was a rhetorical question, wasn't it? You would only know that if you did what I told you not to do. You ate of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They are now hiding from the very one who loved them so much to create them and place them in a perfect setting. Their disobedience, their sin had caused a separation between them and God and they cast out of the garden. Genesis chapter 3 verses 23 through 24. Turn over to Genesis chapter 3 beginning in verse 1 for, for just a moment. Genesis chapter 3 beginning in verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat nor shall you touch it lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that it is the day you eat of your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. So also she gave to her husband, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they were sowing, sewn fig leaves together, and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife had hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked. And I hid myself. And he said, who told you you were naked? And I hid, have you eaten from the tree which I command you that you should not eat? And we know the answer. He did. That caused a rocky relationship with them, didn't it? They did something they knew they were not supposed to do. Instead of a loving or nurturing relationship of oneness that Adam excitingly talked about in Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, where he said, It's not good for man to be alone, but in need of help meet, and will leave father and mother and cleave to wife, and the two shall be one flesh. It changed the relationship that Adam and Eve had with themselves, didn't it? They can no longer look at themselves as being perfect, 
They are now stained with sin. They no longer walk around with confidence and self-assurance that they are, they are now plagued with fear and hiding themselves. Their story is our story, isn't it? It demonstrates our inner need for these three relationships with God, with others, and with selves. And how those choices can make either a strengthening those relationships or damaging them. Adam and Eve's choice stained their relationship. We have done the same at some important relationships that we have. Often because of poor choices, we put a barrier between us and some other people that we may love, but our actions speak louder than words. It doesn't have to be that way. God's word reveals to us that we can mend our broken and stained relationships and how we can be stronger, our good and healthy relationships, but it takes effort and patience on our part. I remember praying for a brother many, many years before he came forward and was restored to the faith. God is patient. We should be patient as well. Do you want better relationships? Do you want better relationships with God? Do you want a better relationship with yourself and with others? Then look to God's word for the strength and guidance and the love that you can show in those relationships. In closing, turn to Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10, <clears throat> beginning in verse 9. But if you confess with the mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Or with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For scripture says, he, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord over all is rich to all who call upon him. Forever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And if you flip over just a couple of pages to Romans chapter 6. <clears throat> Romans chapter 6 verses 3 and 4. Do you not know that as many of you were baptized into Christ, were baptized into his death, therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should also walk in newness of life. We must hear the word of God. Romans 10, 17, for faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We must believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. We must repent of our sins, stop sinning on purpose, have that change of mind. Acts chapter 17 and verse 30 tells us, for the time of ignorance God overlooked, but now commands every man everywhere to repent. Confess with the mouth that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and be buried in a watery grave of baptism, raised to walk in newness of life. What is your relationship with God? What is your relationship with your brothers and sisters in Christ? What is your relationship with yourself? There may be some here this evening who have never responded to the Lord's invitation, who have never applied those things that we've just talked about to their lives and be buried in that watery grave of baptism, 
raised to walk in newness of life. Doesn't mean life's perfect. Doesn't mean it always will be easy. Doesn't mean you won't have struggling relationships because you will. There may be others who have committed public sin and need repentance publicly or the prayers and thoughts of your brothers and sisters in Christ. We offer you an invitation to come forward, whatever your need may be, as together we stand and as we sing.